Oh, uh, uh, hey, Joe. Oh, it's, uh, it's Buck here. Joe, I just thought I'd, uh, I'd tell you, tell you that I'm, uh, living it up on the coast. And, uh, just lounge, lounging around and they, uh, Everything is fine with the uh, deadly virility. Uh, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head. But mostly role-playing games. I promise. Awesome to hear from Puck there at the start of the show. Glad to hear he's still alive and kicking. Posted up on the West Coast. You know, left side is the best side. Uh, and yeah, glad to hear he's steering clear of that deadly virility, which is probably even worse than silent lucidity. <laughs> but anyway, what are we doing here, folks? We are going to talk about the epic conclusion to the Rat Hat campaign, a.k.a. A Green and Pleasant Land. So, let's do that. Dudes, that was an epic end to my campaign. I just love this group. I am so lucky. They made it so much fun to play with, to run for. They, ah, they're just fucking rad. I love them. Uh, and so this campaign consisted of my home group, the group that I actually used to play with around a real table back when that was a thing. Uh, <laughs> so we had Woody playing Bartholomew the fighter, James playing Marcin the rogue, and Millie playing, uh, sorry, <laughs> and Laura playing Millie the sorcerer. And then we also were joined by a friend of ours from the area, Shell, who played Lofay the witch. And we had a super special guest, Jules Burgesser of Jules from NZ. She was waking up mad early every Saturday morning. Well, it was her Sunday, our Saturday. But she was getting up early every morning, every Sunday morning to play with us. And she played Rosie Ardoon, the cleric. And that's, that's where we're at. So the party... The party slept by the cracked and crooked stream. And during the night, boom, jumped by a bunch of rippers. And the party is just tearing through them. I even threw out twice as many as I was going to. It didn't matter. But as soon as the fight was over, <clears throat> the party hears the iconic slow clap. Clap, clap, clap. Very well done. And they look over and they see this total smoking hot naked nymph all sprawled out on some felled trees, just looking super fly. And the party's like, holy shit, who the hell is this sexy ass nymph? And what the hell does she want? <laughs> so they start asking her a whole bunch of questions. And she starts dropping a bunch of lore about how the Dark Magi is a master of cold, how he has this huge black sword called Heart's Lament, how he is a usurper and a pretender, and he's taken over the Feywild, and she wants his ass gone. And she is going to guide the party to Doorway Cave, guide them through the Feywild to the Black Fortress. And the party, the party agrees. <laughs> the party agrees. I, I am not one to throw out a ton of duplicitous NPCs. 
I don't do it often. I do it very, 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 very sparingly. I just, yeah, I don't like it. So I don't do it very often. So she, she is a nymph of her word and they set off. But between them and Doorway Cave is a big army of rippers and a couple trolls. And the party, boom, boom, tears through them with burning hands and reach weapons and opportunity attacks and backstabs and buffs and heals. Gnarly fight. Boom. But the party gets through. The nymphs takes them into Doorway Cave. And on the back wall of Doorway Cave, there are nine swirling portals. And the party would have no idea which one to go through without the nymph's help. She guides them uh, through the correct portal. And now, boom, the party is in the Feywild. And the party finds themselves in this crazy landscape of the other world, the Feywild. So during the week, I had found a bunch of pictures of cool, like, fey fairy forests, uh, you know, weird-shaped trees with glowing fruit, giant mushroom forests, spirit animals wandering through the woodlands. And I had loaded them all onto Roll20. And so what I was saying, as the nymph was this sweet-ass naked nymph, as she was guiding the party through the Feywild, I'd say, you know, every 100 paces, 150 paces, in a blink of an eye, boom, the landscape shifts. The Feywild is mutable. It, it molds itself uh, to your emotions. It's more spiritual than physical. And so I would just shift the picture that I was showing on Roll20. Uh, and I thought that was really cool. I love that idea of the Feywild just being this crazy place that constantly morphs and shifts and changes. But the the nymph leads the party through uh, safely, unmolested, and takes them as far as she can go and says, I can go no farther past this point awaits the black fortress go forth and be prosperous have fun storming the castle and so the party left her behind now the party approaches the black fortress and i had done what i did with the fey forest with the black fortress i'd gotten a bunch of pictures of cool ominous looking you know crazy angled fantasy fortresses fortress i fortresses yeah um, so as the party approached, I kept shifting the uh, picture on the screen to these different fortresses. Cause yeah, the fortress is changing and shifting shape and it's super gnarly and everything, <clears throat> but the heroes make their way, uh, make their way forward, casting buffs, getting ready for the fight. They enter the throne room and they find the dark magi waiting for them in his ice-covered throne room on his giant throne. He's just waiting for them. And he launches into his bad guy soliloquy. Ha 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 ha, you fools, you fell into my trap. You brought me the power I seek, and once I kill you and absorb your power, I'll be unstoppable. <laughs> you know, typical stupid bad guy shit, but it's fun. You know what's not fun, though, is the party is all clumped up in this hallway about 15 feet long, 10 feet wide, and they are all packed together. And I say roll initiative. And now I'm sweating bullets because I don't want the Dark Magi to win initiative. <laughs> the Dark Magi, in reality, is an Ogre Magi. And as some of you may know, 
one of the primary abilities of an ogre magi is cone of cold and like i said the party is all clustered together so i say roll initiative and of course the dark magi wins initiative I have no choice as a dungeon master, as a dragon master, I should say. I have no choice. He's got to use his abilities. So, boom, Cone of Cold. And I can easily roll high enough to kill the party outright if they fail their save. The spell is uh, safe for half damage. If I roll high enough, I could kill them all outright. Even if they make their save, they could still die. But I roll, <clears throat> and it's a ton, but not enough to kill them or knock them out if if they make their saves and the whole party made their reflex saving throws so they only take half damage the whole party except for millie the sorcerer and she is going down hard going down hard however rosie the cleric steps in with the ability she gained at fifth level called lucky which allows her to re-roll a saving throw for one of her allies one time a day Steps in, rolls that save, makes it. So Millie's on her feet. Everyone's on their feet. Now, nobody's got a lot of hit points. Ain't nobody hit point rich now. Uh, <laughs> so, but the battle is joined. And I'm thinking, oh my God, they're all going to die. <laughs> they're all going to die. However, at the end of the day, after the epic battle that went back and forth and all over the throne room, the Dark Magi lays dead at the hero's feet. But so too does Bartholomew the Squirrel Knight. He fell to the violence and hatred of Hart's Lament, the Ogre Magi's massive black greatsword. And he is gone, dead. Now his player Woody is playing Lofe the Witch because like I said, Shell uh, was not here for this game. So the party's freaking out. What do we do? What do we do? Lofe the witch feels something getting warm in her hip pocket. So she reaches in and sees that the heart of the house is glowing and pulsing this pink light. And it's warm and it's pulsing this pink light. And everyone's like, oh, what does that mean? At the same time, uh, Marcin and Millie and Rosie are... Uh, checking out these doors that they found behind the throne. Uh, they open up the doors into this little room. They find a floating sarcophagus made out of ice in the center of this otherwise empty room. Inside the sarcophagus, there is the outline of a human humanoid form. Party's like, what does this mean? What do we do? And somebody yells, Lothe, shove the heart of the house into Bartholomew. <laughs> so... Lofe the Witch, being played by Woody, goes over to Woody's dead character, rips his chest open, and boom, shoves the heart of the house into Bartholomew's chest. And the life force, the essence of the house, what made the house the house, is suffused into Bartholomew, and Bartholomew's heart thump, 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 starts to beat. But his chest is wide open, so... Rosie runs over and is doing a bunch of healing and stuff. And it felt at that time that really wasn't this, oh my God, I'm sorry you're dead. I don't want you to be dead. Here's this resurrection. It felt natural. It felt right. It was fucking awesome. I loved every second of it. Uh, <clears throat> so Bartholomew gets taken care of a little bit. 
the party ends up shattering the ice sarcophagus inside of which is a cracked and crooked man who has no idea how long he's been in there after some discussion they find out it's probably been almost 200 years and that was pretty much it the uh the party escorted the cracked and crooked man back to his cracked and crooked little house they said their goodbyes said goodbye to the house um and made it back to north watch and so i wanted to put a stamp on the adventure put a you know the end at the end of it so i did a technique that i've heard a bunch of other dungeon masters talk about doing where i i fast forwarded i said okay it's a year later where is your character tell us where your character is so everybody gave a, a little soliloquy um during the game but then later i asked my players if they would call in and say where their characters are a year later and they all did they fucking did because they're amazing and i love them forever so let's hear about it because it's dope hey joey it's laura um i wanted to leave a message talking about what millie did um after the end of our green and pleasant land um campaign uh or the rat hack as you've been calling it um so millie uh spent some of her time um going around and um trying to change people's mind about magic and uh try to show them the good that it can do and helping um other young girls like her who are have magical abilities and are learning how to use it um so she's trying to teach and bring people together Joey, you motherfucker making me do this stupid ass shit, but only because I love you, I'm going to do it, dude. So, Barty B, Bartholomew O'Donovan, the motherfucking squirrel knight, died, had the heart of the house put into his fucking chest, came back to life, and a year later, he is retired from adventuring. He's scared of it, he's nervous about it, and so he's hung up all of his weapons and his armor into a chest and buried it underneath his floor in his house. And he started a farm a few miles outside of North Watch or North Gate or whatever it was called. And thus he lives his life very privately and very peacefully. There he is. Anyways, homie, hope you're having a good one. A peace, motherfucker. So mommy dearest wrote again today. Rosenthin. God, I hate it when she calls me that. We hope you have had fun on your little vacation. Fun time is over now. Time to come home to do your duty to the family. To ensure your safe return, we have dispatched a contingent of the house guard. They will arrive in that little dump of a town you've called home for the last year in about a fortnight. We trust there will be no problems awaiting your prompt return, pernicious Adon. Ugh. As if I would go home to Dawn to be some boring noble's wife and bear their children. Besides, what I'm doing here in Northwatch is important. It's not a dump of a town. It's humming with purpose and energy. Every day we see new people arrive, all nervous and scared. 
because they've been chased from their homes by people who do not understand that magic is born of connection to the world around us, not to be feared or hated. Every day we welcome someone home as we show them they are not alone. Millie is magically training anyone who wants to learn about their magic. She's amazing, so talented and beautiful. And the way she spins in that dress of hers, well, it's hot. One of these days, I'll, I'll tell her that. Yeah, great, Rosie. When it comes to defending my friends, I'll fearlessly throw myself in front of them. But when it comes to Millie, meek as a kitten. <laughs> uh, anyway, I've got a lot on with my own training. As well as those who come to learn of their magic, there are those who come to learn about why they feel a deep connection to nature. And of course, they are feeling the green man's warmth. When I got back to Northwatch, after defeating the Magus a year ago, wow, has it been a year? Back on track, Rosie. When I got back, I spoke to Nynaeve about the way that the green man flowed through me, spoke to me, and the stag I saw in the Feywild where I'm sure he visited me. And she and I formed a plan to share my faith with others. We now have our own church in the shadow of the Aramid tree. Nynaeve bought me a young girl who could make plants grow and feared herself. And I helped her connect to who she was. And now she helps far farmers grow better crops than ever. Though not on Barty's farm. <laughs> it started with her. But now there are many who sit and commune with nature. Feel the sun on our face. Trail fingers through long grass. And know that we are loved and powerful. I have to help these people to make sure that they stay on the right path and that magic is never again used to destroy or pervert the nature of the world. This is my mission now. This is where I belong. Wait, I hear Gate Kept and Timmins calling for me. Approaching soldiers are burning the fields. They're here already. And that was the wrong move. If my mother thinks that she and her soldier contingent from dawn can drag me home, ruin this town and put a stop to what we are doing, well then it's guess it's time to show them what I can do. I am Rosie Ardern, the green man's defender, one of the five who defeated the dark magus and I will protect all. They're about to find out what nature's wrath is capable of. So yes, pernicious, I think there may be problems. Hey Joe, this is James, long time, first time. Uh, anyway, I'm the guy who plays Morrison Deepstream uh, from the Sweet Ass Rogue from your uh, last campaign. Anyway, I don't know if you remember me, but uh, I just wanted to call in and give a little update as to what Morrison's been up to since the end of the campaign. So Morrison has been spending uh, some close time with Leoden, uh, maybe a little bit of maybe a little bit too close. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, has been doing some freelance work with Leah in anytime she needs help with uh, anything Mr. Walker sends her way. Uh, but also, Marson has opened up a gambling den in Northwatch and uh, is kind of making money that way. Uh, anyway, that's what Marson's been up to. Uh, love the show. Keep it up, buddy. Love the game. Uh, love getting the chance to play with uh, you. So anyway, have a good one. Hello, this is Ashel. I'm the one that played Alufe with Enjoy's game. Um, after we de defeated the Dark Magus in uh, returning to our little village, there was great excitement and partying for, I'm sure it was weeks on end. And um, 
Lefei slowly slipped into the into the quiet of the town and began working with Grandma Lilith in and with her herb shop and healing and fixing everybody's boo-boos. Within a few months of everything quieting down, there was a group of peddlers that arrived in their village. Uh, what was what was noticed about this group of peddlers and what attracted Lufay's attention to them was the fact that they had this enormous amount of colors on their uh, wagons and carriages, and also the peddlers themselves wore these outrageously colored uh, clothing that contrast that even contrasted each other, and this attracted was an attraction to Lufay. So Lufay um, joined. Let me back up. Lufay talked with one of the peddlers and uh, showed her interest in joining them, and they agreed to allow her, her to join them and to join their little caravan. So she kissed Grandmother Lilith goodbye and snuck away in the middle of the night with this uh, caravan. The caravan itself traveled for uh, weeks on end and visiting all kinds of different uh, villages along the, the different mountain and uh, villages. And they ended up in uh, one of the uh, seaside villages and she uh, was in uh, the inn on in the dock district, and the inn, name of the inn was called the Boneyard. And in the Boneyard, she met this uh, lovely uh, half-orc uh, sailor by the name of Callisto Benari. And this uh, or half-orc attracted her so much that uh, Lufay inquired about joining this captain's uh, vessel and sailing the seas. So she departed from her little caravan of peddlers and wished them luck and decided to head off to the, to the seas and explore the ocean with this lovely uh, sea captain, Benari. The sea was, sea life was harder than Lufay had expected. Uh, it was a lot of, uh, downtime and a lot of uh, hard work um, but she endured it because she uh, was growing a strong affection to this uh, young sea captain and they grew, grew, in, grew into a close relationship on one of their adventures they ended up in in Taldor at the capital city Opara in Opara, uh, there are numerous, they have a huge uh, theater district. And Captain Benari, she decided to take Lufay to the theater one night. And at this theater, this theater was owned by a young, uh, older goblin gentleman by the name of Grisnuck. And the show that night was amazing and Lufay could not believe the stories and the the visions and the attraction the theater had brought to those the audience. And Callistro saw this in 
Lufay's eyes and suggested that uh, she stay here and learn uh, and join the theater and to learn how to entertain people and how to bring her stories about to the world. And Lufay was saddened that she was going to have to uh, be away from her uh, lovely sea captain. Calistro said, it's okay, we will just wait till I return, and it'll be even uh, a greater joy once we see each other again. And I have to do some work for the Pathfinder Society uh, down in the desert region to the south, near Orison. And I'm sure the desert would be too hot for you, and besides, it'll only be for a short time, and we shall see each other again. So on that, uh, Callistro departed, and it was a gray day for uh, Lufay, and Lufay uh, kissed her captain goodbye and played in the theater. The theater was a great distraction for her. It provided... Uh, it provided great um, healing as well, as she was able to tell stories and and bring joy to the audience's eyes. This went on for a month or so as she became um, more involved with the theater. And one day, a group of Pathfinders uh, came to their theater to inv investigate um the history of the theater and they said that there was some kind of uh, dungeon underneath the theater and this intrigued Lufay and also uh, the odor uh, Grisnuk and he agreed to allow them allow them to go down into the dungeon and to explore it. Lufay of course uh tagged along with the Pathfinders to learn what was below the dungeon. Uh, while they were exploring the dungeon, uh, Lufay noticed a small window that the society members did not see. Uh, she went up to the window and looked inside and saw two red eyes staring back at her. This frightened her, of course, and she started to back away, and then she heard a calm deep voice talked to her and said, no, don't worry, I won't hurt you. And this seemed to convince her. And Lufay did not tell the society upon their departure that what she had found. And Lufay would go down there every day and talk to this, to the dark red eyes. And as their friendship grew, she wanted to free this person from their dungeon. And Lufay was able to get one of the local workers to break apart the stone and free this individual. To her surprise, it was a guest. And, but this guest had become friends with Lufay and promised not to do, hurt her or any of the theater goers. They just wanted relief of their dungeon and to be free in the world. Lufay was happy to uh, to offer freedom to this ghost. And the ghost went free and 
did not hurt anybody in Opara, but was able to find relief and freedom from his bonds and return to the underworld where they desired to live out their life and where they in the dark underworld. A few months later, while Lufay was working in the theater, there uh, came to the t there came to the theater a businessman. This businessman needed uh, protection as he was bringing some wares up into the mountain villages, and Lufay remembered the time she had with with her little caravan of peddlers. And offered to serve as pro as a protector to this merchant. The merchant said he was heading up to Etrin's Folly. And that sounded like an intriguing place to Lufay. So Lufay followed him, was promised to be a protector and to, to follow him up into Etrin's Folly. Besides, she received a letter also from her sea captain, Callistral saying it would be that she would be arriving to Apara in about a month or so. That the society has proven to provide a lot more work for Callistral than she expected. She was also excited to tell Lufay that she received a promotion in the society. She was going to become a venture captain, which gave her a lot more status in the Pathfinder Society. And she was looking forward to seeing Lufay in a month or so. So Lufay decided to head up into the mountains to visit Etrin's Folly. That we will leave for another story in another time. But suffice it to say that when Lufay returned to Apara and was able to see a Captain Callistro again, there was there was many tears of joy and happiness and also there was a few rings involved thanks again joy for a wonderful game and hopefully that gave you a little insight to lufay's story after the adventure thanks again bye I really, really want to thank my players for being so goddamn amazing and leaving those messages. That just, they, they made my day. That tickled me pink. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, especially to my, uh, my regular group, Laura, James, and Woody. Thank you. Uh, they, they tolerate my bullshit all the time. <laughs> All the time, I'm constantly giving them RPG homework assignments, and they hate it, but they do it, and I love them for it forever. I also love that the other two regular GMs of the group, Shell and Jules, they both added stuff to the world in their stories, um, factors that weren't in the world when the campaign ended. I love that stuff. It makes me super happy. Very cool stuff. Also very cool to hear from Puck. Glad to know he's still alive and kicking. Uh, good stuff. And yeah, this is the conclusion to my 197th episode, which means there's only two episodes left, folks. 
to get in your submissions for Dark Mysteries, the paradigm shifting fairy tale book that will transform the world. Uh, yeah, 300 words or less. You can send in a written version of it or a spoken version of it. You can email me a written version or a audio file. And if you want my email address, hit me up on Twitter or Discord or send me a message here. Or you can leave a series of messages on Anchor. Either way. Uh, but time is running out, folks. So get it in there. Get it in. And until next time, peace out.